All right, I'm going to pray, and I really appreciate you guys agreeing with me. But, Lord, we lift up tonight's word unto you in Jesus' name. It's very serious, and this battleground is really serious that we're dealing with. And, Lord, we ask you that you would come mightily upon this time. And, Lord, I pray, as everybody's agreeing with me, Lord, we pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to lock in and give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus, um, Lord, that we are really um, captivated by the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit giving us good, fertile soil of hearts and minds. And, Lord, that by your Spirit to anoint our eyes to be able to see what we could not see before. Anoint our ears to be able to hear what we haven't heard before. And, Lord, that you would anoint our minds to be able to perceive um, what you're speaking to us. And that many times there, there can be a dullness. But we ask that the Spirit of God to deal with that and to penetrate that. And Lord, I pray that we'd have eyes and ears of the Spirit. And Lord, I ask you that you would speak through me everything that needs to be spoken tonight. Under a strong anointing and in the glory of God. And that it would go forth and penetrate. Lord, it would be like a living seeds of truth that are sown into good fertile soil that are made ready by the Spirit sown into those hearts and minds it's, it's the word of God the word of truth and Lord that your Holy Spirit water that seed like a rain a gentle rain and cause that to take root in every every person Lord and, and grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes Lord that this uh, we stand on the promise that your word will not return void but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do let the winds of your spirit carry this word out among the nations that it will go everywhere it needs to go, into every place, into every heart. And Lord, we ask you that your mighty angels will watch over this word in every respect. For the Bible says that the birds of the air try to steal the seed. The demonic forces try to steal it. But Lord, we bind that in the name of Jesus. We bind everything that would try to hinder the word, that would try to distract, that would try to keep it from accomplishing that which God wants it to, or try to hinder it from being spoken. We bind that in the name of Jesus right now. And we command it goes. And Lord, that your mighty angels will clear away the tides of darkness and, and, and watch over this. And Lord, we pray that your word, that it will convict and it will be the washing of the water of the word of God to really cleanse all of us, to get a bride ready for your coming that's washed with the word of God. And that your word, Lord, will be like a, a fire shut up in our bones, Lord. It would burn within us. Lord, let your word be like a mighty hammer that's going to break through the strongholds of the enemy. Where there's been religious witchcraft in this region, there's been any just traditions of men, pet doctrines, or things that are just simply not God. Lord, I pray that your word, like a hammer, Lord, will just go right through that and break it down. And Lord, it'll be a sword that's going to cut through and penetrate where it needs to get. Lord, your word is awesome. Lord, it's a double-edged sword. Lord, let it pierce, let it get to where it needs to go. And Lord, that this would be under strong anointing. In Jesus' name, we bless you. We commit this word unto you in every aspect. And we ask you to bless it, that everything be accomplished in and through it, that your will to be done. We commit it unto you, and we agree together, and we believe we receive it now, and we expect it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I really wanted to pray over the word. You know... This series needs to be challenging for all of us. The last week, you know, we're preaching, I'm preaching, and it's like there's a finger going at you, but there's also several fingers coming back at me. 
This is something that all of us, you know, the, the, before I preached last week's sermon and throughout this week, I've been really praying. And I did some fasting and asking God, you know, to show me any place that needs to, you know, be transformed. And I want to be more fruitful than I've been. So anyway, this is going to be part two. Last week dealt with, are we really bearing fruit? You know, are we really what we need to be? And that's a question people really need to ask themselves and need to hear that sermon. I can't tell you how serious last week and this week's sermon really is. I mean, it can have a lot to do in this region if people will listen about their destiny in God. It really can. And it's a serious issue. And um, as I preach tonight, I'm going to deal with clearing the air. This is an aspect of what's trying to hinder fruitfulness. You know, what's trying to hold people back. And then next week, I'll close it out. So last week, as I dealt with, are we really bearing fruit? You have to understand that I had one of my intercessors tell me a, a little while back, maybe a month ago or more. It might have been six weeks, two months. But anyway, tell me that they, they felt in their spirit a deep grief because they felt like there were some people that really were not taking the fast that we were doing as a church as serious as they really should take it and really pressing into God like they should. And this person felt like a deep grief in their spirit and was really praying and the Holy Spirit was praying through them. And this is exactly what I was dealing with last week. It's, it's something where there's, there's a, a spirit. When I talk about this, I'm talking about principalities and powers. There's a religious witchcraft that has been in the atmosphere and one of the spiritual things that try to one of the spirits that work under that that try to affect people is putting people in like a stupor and that's in the book of Romans where they have eyes but they don't really see they have ears but they don't hear and they they get dull and they get out of prayer and they, they're not really spiritually sharp anymore they're not on like a cutting edge they're not really fruitful like they used to be. And they're drying up on the vine, but they don't even know it. They're like the Laodiceans. If you ask them, they'll say, oh, everything's fine. I'm good. I'm in need of nothing. I'm doing great. But that's not the way the Lord sees it. And so the sermon last week was to penetrate, to get through. And I felt before I preached that sermon for about two weeks or, or maybe more than that, maybe a month before I preached that sermon, I felt an incredible burden and a deep grief in my spirit that like a, the Holy Spirit being so deeply grieved with the religion of this region that so many people have grown lukewarm and indifferent. They, they've lost their burden for souls and they're just religious, you know, and it was like a deep grief, man. I tell you, um, I guess God uses me as an intercessor sometimes but I felt that. I felt an intercessory burden. And it was a deep grief. And then today, I'll, I'll read this real quick. I say all that to say that I really feel like this is the word of the Lord. I don't just get up and preach sermons. I want to hear from God. So let me read this. Uh, Brianna was in prayer this morning. And she, I think she sang this earlier. But she said in prayer this morning, she was interceding and praying. And like this really strong burden came on her. And she began to sing like a prophetic song. 
And this is basically what she, she texted me after. She said, I sang a prophetic song. I felt the Lord saying how, that the question, how hungry are you for my presence? Are you willing to be different? Are you willing to look like a fool in the eyes of men? For I've called you out from the norm as a church, the, the spirit of this age to be different than the spirit of this age. And so that's the question. See, I'm, the Holy Spirit is speaking something last week. So here's, here's how I want to start tonight's sermon is there's four responses to last week's message. And sadly, I've seen a lot of people over the years just not get it. And I don't know why. There's just something there like a spirit trying to hinder people. But anyway, here's the four responses to last week's sermon. Number one It'll just go over somebody's head. They don't realize that God is actually talking to them. They'll keep thinking it's for somebody else or it's just another sermon. You know, they'll shrug off the conviction and they'll they'll never get it. They'll never get that it is you that God is speaking to. The second response is they'll hear and they'll make some minor changes for a short period of time, a couple weeks, a couple months, and then they'll go right back to where they were and never really change. The third response, and thankfully River of Life isn't really this, it doesn't have people like this, thankfully, but, but there are a lot of people like this out there. They'll get prideful and angry at the word. They'll buck up against it. And they'll fight against the word and begin to criticize. That's a response that some people could have. But here's the number fourth response that I feel like that is what God wants all of us to do. That we will all humble ourselves, truly repent, and let God do a work in us that will endure. That we will be eternally different. That it's something only God can do. So I encourage people to keep these notes and let it be a, a point of prayer in the days to come. Last week's notes, notes, this week's notes as well, and really pray over it on your own. It, you know, if you feel like you need to do some, some time of prayer and fasting, but really seek God about it because it's serious. All right. But here's what I have found. I'm about to get into some, uh, you know, where I'm going with the sermon tonight. Just bear with me. But I've found that a lot of times, especially in this day and age that we live, a lot of people don't have God and their Christian walk and all that really, truly as a centerpiece of their life. A lot of people out there, they live their own life and their Christianity, all of that, that their walk with God, etc., and church, all of that is kind of just a side issue with them. It's something that's a, you know, a little part of their life here and there. If you take a pie chart, it's a little piece of the pie. You know, it's there. They go to church. But it's not really the centerpiece of their entire life. Then you have other people that God and their relationship with God is really truly 
the center of their entire existence. And everything revolves around that. The decisions they make in life, everything is about, will this bring the Lord glory? Will this help me to be fruitful for him? Will this be conducive for my relationship with him? Everything they do, everything that they're a part of, all of that, it revolves around the relationship they have with him. It's of the utmost importance. There's a remnant that that's the way they live. And their life is just kind of caught up and consumed with the Lord. But most people are not that way. Most people, it's a side issue. They, they live their life. They'll make time for whatever's important to them. You know, their fantasy football, their uh, favorite TV show, hanging out with their friends, whatever it is. They got plenty of time for that. But when it comes time to prayer, it comes time for the things of God and, and, and sacrifice. And, you know, it just seems like they just can't find the time. And I would say that those type of people that the Lord is really not the center of their life, that he's just a side issue. And Derek Prince said something that always stayed with me. I'm going to share just two things. If you're taking notes, this would be important. Derek Prince said to fulfill your calling in God, your destiny, there has to be a single-mindedness. There has to be like a focus, a single-mindedness. And Derek Prince also said this, and I've read this to you. I don't have the quote in front of me right now, but um, I have read it to you before. But he said that he feels that the greatest hindrance to somebody's destiny in God, them fulfilling their destiny, the number one greatest hindrance to that, he said, if I gave you an opportunity to guess he said you'd probably not guess it. You'd probably guess several other things. But this is what he said. He said the number one resistance to destiny is witchcraft. Number one. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. As I go through this tonight, I believe you'll understand a little bit more about that. But we have to discern the atmosphere that's around us. God has not called us to be like a hot house plant. God shouldn't have to baby us. There comes a point in time where all of us have got to grow up, amen? And I'm speaking to myself too. We've all, all got to man up, woman up, and be what God's called us to be. And God will take, you know, a situation where there's a brass heaven, there's a desert. He'll take you, he'll drive his shovel in the ground, open it up, stick you in there, and he'll tell you, you bear fruit where I put you. You get some roots about you. You pray the heavens open. You pray a stream in this desert. You bring revival where you are. You be fruitful. And God expects it. When Jesus shows up, we better be bearing fruit. I don't think, I read the scriptures last week. I hope it hit home. I hope that by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it really drove it home. But I don't think bearing fruit is as optional based on the teachings of Jesus Christ as what a lot of Christianity wants to believe it is. He said if those branches that don't bear fruit will be cut off, but those that do bear fruit will be pruned to be more fruitful. I want to be a fruitful branch for the Lord. All right. So I'm going to deal with clearing the air. 
the spiritual atmosphere around us in this region is very serious. This region, in my opinion, should have already seen more revival than what it has. It's been a very, very serious issue here. And while a lot of the church world has been playing games, the world is really perishing. There's people in this region here that, that are dying in their sin and going to hell. And a lot of people are playing games. They're playing their little religious games. They got your little social club. This isn't the time for that. This is the time to actually get really serious about the Lord. To get really serious about the kingdom. And uh, in a few weeks, not next week, but in a few weeks, I plan on doing a sermon about the kingdom. And it's really interesting because the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are two different phrases. And Matthew's the only one that uses the kingdom of heaven, but it is a different phrase with different scriptures attached to it than the kingdom of God. So it's interesting. But see, the kingdom of God, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you're brought into the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of heaven has to do with heaven invading earth. I don't have time to get in that tonight. I'm going to deal with it later. But we are called to see heaven invade earth. We're called to see um, the power of God come down and change lives. All right, so let me just deal with a few things tonight. And I'm, I'm really shooting straight. I see that everybody's back. That's good. Now, there's places, hey man, there's places. I love everybody, but I, I think y'all know me enough to know, but I'm just what he says. And um, there's places that people wouldn't have come back. I'm just telling you. So that's a good sign. But I'm going to deal with some things tonight again. I pray that God really convict all of us. Amen. You know, the thing is, I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit because I want to know. I want the Holy Spirit to tell me if there's something off or if there's something that needs to change. I want to know. And I love the Holy Spirit. I love his, his presence. I love his conviction. And I love the work that he does in me to show me things. You need to change this. You need to go left here. You need to say this. You need to stop saying that. You need to do this. I love it. Is I want to know what pleases God. So convicting sermons, I embrace it. And I really, I really appreciate them a lot. And so I pray that um, not only last week, but the rest of these sermons will really drive home a point. Because, you know, here, I'll say this. I'm going to read Leviticus 14. People have what they want. You know why I, I say this humbly and sincerely? Is I know how, and I really mean that. But you know why the glory of God is in my home? Because I won't live without it. And I mean that. It's, it's not going to not be there. And I'm okay. That's why the glory is there. Why is the presence and the glory in the church? Because I'm not okay without it. As a pastor. People, people say they're hungry. I love everybody, but people say they're hungry. But I would say maybe your definition of hungry and the Lord's definition of hungry might not be quite the same. Because I've seen hunger in the 90s. I've seen real hunger. I've seen people that were willing to save up money and spend good money to go to church and wait in line in church. And you can't even get people nowadays to drive up the road a little bit consistently. 
All right. So clear the air. We're in this region. We know that religious witchcraft has been a stronghold. But we have to be in the region, but not of the region. We have to be here, but we're not going to conform to the image of the spirit of this region. By the grace of God, I'm not doing it. I'm not becoming a religious Pharisee. I'm not becoming somebody that's under the control of a Jezebel spirit. I am, by the grace of God, I am not doing it. And we're not going to have a weird control or some weird thing that I've seen out there a lot, pervasive. And River of Life, by the grace of God, we're not going to become a place of worldliness and carnality. This is a house of God. And so let me just dive into this. Leviticus 14, starting with verse 34. See, when God was bringing the children of Israel into Canaan, he knew that this was going to be a, an evil place that had been occupied by people that were deeply involved in what we would call today the occult. They were deeply involved in various forms of witchcraft and idolatry, divination, sorcery. They were mixed up. Uh, I mean, it was pervasive. They were mixed up in animal and human sacrifice, all kinds of weird stuff. And God knew when he brought Israel into this land that it had been a place that was inundated with darkness. And God knew, and history has shown, that when the Canaanites heard about Egypt and heard how God had crippled their economy and brought Israel out with signs and wonders, they got scared. And many of the Canaanites were, you know, deeply involved in idolatry and the occult. And so one of the things they did to protect themselves was they would take their money and they would go to a blacksmith or whatever and they would have him fashion some kind of a little demon god idol with their money and they would embed that maybe into the wall of a home or bury it underneath a home or whatever to it was supposed to act like some kind of a talisman some kind of a protection a, a good luck charm or whatever you want to call it to protect them but also um, they, they believed that it would hide their wealth and they were afraid and so whenever the children of Israel came in and exactly what God said, they were going to possess houses they did not build. They were going to possess wells that they did not dig and vineyards they didn't plant. God was going to give it to them. He knew that their predecessor that was there was deeply involved in the occult. And he knew that there was going to be in many places these little demon gods that were buried in a home. And so the Lord did not want his people to be cohabitating with the demonic. And so God gave them this scripture in Leviticus. Because the people of God of that time were under a different covenant, they did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. So God had to do things more outwardly to reveal. Nowadays, God expects us to cultivate a relationship where he can just speak to us about it. But here's what God did. In verse 34, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I give you as a possession... I will put a mark of leprosy on a house in the land of your possession. Then the one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest. Something like a mark of leprosy has become visible to me in this house. Now this was a house he didn't build. This was a house he came into. And there was something creepy that began to manifest on the wall. And you see him laying in bed and he's like, honey you see that 
greenish red thing coming up on the wall right there and his wife say i see that maybe we need to go tell the priest about that and the priest shall command that they will empty the house before the priest goes in to look at it because they want to make sure the priest want to make sure that it's not something that they're doing or they brought in so he's like get everything out of your house so that everything in the house need not become unclean as well also to protect it from being defiled also and afterward the priest shall go in and look at the house and he shall look at the mark and if the mark on the wall of the house is greenish or reddish depression and appears deeper than the surface so this is not just like a you know a hygiene this is not just some kind of a mold I mean this is this is something different it's, it's deeply embedded in there the priest shall come out of the house to the doorway and quarantine the house for seven days the priest shall return on the seventh day to make an ins inspection if the mark has indeed spread in the walls of the house then the priest shall order them to tear out the stones with the mark in them and throw them away at an unclean, unclean place outside the city so what's the priest looking for he's looking for maybe there's a demon god idol that's embedded in that wall there and God's not okay with it and God's allowed some kind of a greenish red leprosy thing to appear on the wall as a sign saying look this is a defiled thing get this out of your house he'll have the house scraped around the inside and she'll uh, dump the plaster that they scrape off at an unclean place outside the city then he'll take other stones and replace those stones and he'll take other plaster and replaster the house if however y'all didn't know the priest had to be into house remodeling see they, they had to be experts on many things so if however the mark breaks out again in the house after he has torn out the stones and scraped the house and after it's been replastered then the priest shall come in and make an inspection and if he sees that the mark has indeed spread in the house it is a malignant mark in the house it is an unclean house for whatever reason maybe this was a house that that a witch doctor lived in maybe this was a house that was completely dedicated at its inception to a demon god maybe they were hardcore things that happened in this house and god simply just does not want somebody living there like it is and so the lord said here verse 45 he will tear down that house its stones its timbers all the plaster in the house he'll tear them, take them outside the city to an unclean place moreover whoever goes into the house during that time that is quarantined becomes unclean till evening likewise whoever lies down in the house shall wash his clothes and whoever eats in the house shall wash their clothes so God's saying they, they can be defiled by what's there but they need to be cleansed if on the other hand the priest comes in and makes an inspection and the mark has not spread in the house after the house was replastered so they tore the stones out they replastered it and everything and it went away so now the problem seems to be solved then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the mark has not reappeared and um, the family can go back in just like nothing was wrong so how many knows that God is interested in the spiritual hygiene of our homes he's interested in the atmosphere that we live in so let me deal with a couple things here about the home and then I'm gonna deal with religious witchcraft all right Ephesians 5 22 
says wives be subject that means in the Greek submissive obedient to your own husbands as to the Lord so as unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church he himself being the Savior of the body but as the church is subject to Christ so also a wife ought to be subject okay to their husbands and everything and so I'm dealing with why homes can be defiled and oppressed by the demonic y'all following me number one thing I would deal with is homes being out of order this is a big issue now I did a Greek study years ago on this issue because in our society rebellion in my opinion is the strong man in the stronghold of America even going back to our inception I don't have time to get into it but um, you know America was formed in 1776 as a rebellion against Britain which I believe was the will of God in many ways but nonetheless the rebellious spirit about it um, you know it, it's definitely took taken root in our society and I don't have time to, to get off into that I could really justify that point but I think that most people hearing this realize that rebellion is an issue in this nation I think everybody can see that so I don't have to belabor the point so rebellion in a home and sometimes a, a woman will come from a family that is out of order maybe her mother has an issue with men and she's kind of inherited that issue uh, maybe whatever it is but there's a bucking up and there's a, a rebellion there and let me tell you something if you want a home to be demonized and oppressed and I mean bad get rebellion in that home get rebellion in there let, let a wife begin to rebel against her husband it will become a demonized place so wives being subject is in the Greek is a Greek word that implies willing to submit whereas the same passage goes on and it says children are to obey their parents and that Greek word implies it's forced obedience that if a kid acts up you discipline them but see this word is supposed to be that a wife willingly submits it shouldn't have to be forced so that and then let me start in verse uh, 25 here it says husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so husbands are to really lay down their life to protect their wife and take care of them that he might sanctify her talking about Jesus the church having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word so it's the responsibility of the husband to be the head of the home and to see his family cleansed washed with the water to be a spiritual leader a, a high priest if you will to that home that he might present himself a church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would also be holy and blameless so husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies and he who loves his wife loves himself but whoever uh, and no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church because we are members of his body for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and join to his wife and the two become one flesh this mystery is great but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church nevertheless each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself and the wife must see to it that she respects the husband so there's got to be that respect and see I've run into this a lot of times in society as well 
even in our ministry, I've run into issues where people, um, I've had to talk to leaders about this, but where a wife would be rebellious and disrespectful to the husband, even in a public setting. It's not biblical. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so there needs to be a respect that's shown. And one, one of the things I've seen is I'm dealing with, I'm going to deal with several different words that start with D tonight, which I normally don't do this, but this way God gave it to me. Disorder, division, dishonor, and disrespect, de uh, deception, and divisive attacks, all that. I'm going to come to that in a moment. But the dishonor and disrespect toward authority, you're seeing that so much. I mean, for example, even in our school system, it seems to begin quite young, where young people have no respect for their parents, but they have no respect for the teacher. Well, a teacher's just trying to teach. They'll be talking to each other and being disrespectful. And you see it even in the church. A leader trying to get up and give announcements and talk, and sometimes people are just talking amongst themselves, just ignoring him and everything. It's disrespectful. But it's in society that there's a dishonor, disrespect. And it's even bled into um, not only the school system and in the way of education, but you even see it in the media and you even see it in politics. And that, of course, is what this current president is coming up against. It's a lot of rebellion. It's a rebellious spirit. And I'll deal with Jezebel more here in a moment. But in the home, what is in your home? Are there things in your home, based on what I've been talking about, that can be a doorway for the demonic or for an oppression or an influence of the enemy? Things that cause addictions. Are there things in your home you know, whether it be, you know, it could be anything, gambling, it could be things that go back to uh, tobacco products and, and alcohol abuse or drugs or whatever. Are there things in your home that are connected to bondage and addiction? The book of Romans talks about a spirit of bondage. Is there ungodly entertainment that's allowed in your home? That's why my wife and I go to links to be careful about these things because you know people a lot of times nowadays in Christianity seem to think everything's okay but what comes out of the television or the music or whatever what's being communicated in that home can really affect it and even you're dealing with profanity you're dealing with words let me tell you something uh, hopefully I'll get into this here in a moment about words but words have a lot of power I think everybody knows that in River of Life the bless, uh, life and death is in the tongue. And so speaking blessings is really powerful. But, you know, these words that are coming out of the mouth, if you're letting things, you know, F word this and GD this and MF this and all these words come into your home, you have to understand that that is, that is literally cursing the atmosphere and releasing something into your home that's very defiled. And people wonder, why is it hard to pray in my home? Why is it oppressed? Why is my night's rest affected? Why does it feel like that it's easy to fight? Because maybe you're letting things into your home that are contaminating it. Or are there things in your home that would cause lust? And I don't care what it is. I don't care nowadays. It could be something catered to children. But if it can cause lust, cause a looking with lust, or it has something lustful about it, you better be very careful bringing that into your home. I'll never forget, I could give a lot of stories, but I need to move quickly. But there was one time I was just preaching along these lines, and there was a, a young lady that came up to me, and she said, would you pray with me? And she said, I had moved into an apartment. 
And she said, I had never in my life dealt in any way whatsoever with anything that was like homosexual at all, lesbian at all. But she said, since I moved into this apartment, she said, I have dealt with dreams and weird feelings I've never had. And at night, something's messing with me. And she said, I feel like something that has to do with lesbianism. And so she said, I found out that the previous occupants that lived here were lesbians. And she said, and I told her, I said, well, first off, I'll pray with you, but you need to spiritually cleanse that home. There's, there's a spirit there that you need to kick out and you need to pray over that home. I mean, really pray. I'm not talking about just this little joking around. You need to go through and apply the blood. You need to anoint the thing and you need to purge it. Okay, that's, you know, what I read earlier in Leviticus, there's, there's that scraping of the plaster. That took time. Those priests, you know, God could have just said, priests, go in there, lift up your hand, speak a blessing, all will be good. But God had those priests work. They had to roll up their sleeve. They had to put on their work tunic, man. They went in there and started scraping the walls. All right. Also, things that are occult or fearful. You know, as for me in, in my house, you know, we don't celebrate Halloween and we don't put that stuff. But man, my neighbors do. I just pray, Lord, you know what? They can do what they want on their property, but our property is sealed up. We're not going to have this dark stuff. But anything that's a cult, again, I don't care nowadays if it gears toward little kids. If it's witchcraft, divination, sorcery, the occult, things that go back to Freemasonry, whatever it is, spell casting. Um, you, if you want demons in your home, put that in your home. And it won't just be any demons, it'll be occult demons. All right. And in things that really cause fear, like the slasher movies. You know, back in the day, I don't know all the new ones out, okay? But back in the day, it was like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. I think those are still popular with some people. But anyway, those slasher movies, it's not something. You know, people want to watch that in their home and go to bed. And then they wonder why they're going to have nightmares. And they're going to become some kind of a fear and something off in their house. Well, you brought it in. Be careful with things from other countries. Man, I've heard so many stories about people that went to other countries and brought something back and then it just their house something got very weird you need to be careful what you buy and what you bring i wouldn't have these african voodoo masks in my house okay um i wouldn't have things there's a lot of examples i could get into about different things different cultures but you just need to be really careful what you bring in and make sure that you if it's something you feel is innocent okay pray over it you know and bring that in but you need to be careful because there's a lot of stories i can tell about people getting sick um, people having you know strife in their home and and financial difficulties and it was serious i mean really serious stuff also is your home a place where it seems like it's easy to fight but it's difficult to pray that's a bad sign that right there is a red and green streak up the wall God's trying to communicate that there's something that's off. And the very first thing I dealt with tonight is a home being out of order. You better be careful with this rebellion stuff and this disrespect that's being shown to authority. That's an American culture, but that doesn't mean that it's right. Amen? Is everybody really... Is, I pray this is really getting in there because uh, we may live here, but I am not going to conform to this culture. Well, thank you for amening me in the booth. All right. I've got one person with me. Thank God it's my wife. Amen. 
All right, be careful with words that you speak in your home. Again, with words. You better be careful with the word curses. These things can really oppress. You know, if, you, if you're speaking things out, and um, I can't even begin to tell you how serious words are. Some people have been more hindered and held back by words that have been spoken over them than anything else. There is prophets that have had visions that I believe are truly from God of where people have spoken words over them, over different, I'm sorry, spoken words over people like pastors or whatever, and they saw like spiritual chains just trying to wrap around them. And see, listen to me. Satan wants to make sure that words that are spoken against you will stop you in your destiny and hinder you. So don't be surprised if people get under the influence of that Jezebel spirit. It's a witchcraft spirit. It's in this region and it's in this nation. If under the influence of something, they're speaking things over you that will directly go against your destiny. If you're called to be a worship leader, they may speak things over you that you don't sing good or whatever, and they don't mean to, but they're being used just like a little witch to put a, speak a curse against your voice. How many times has people not meant to, but, you know, let's say a wife, for example, grumbling and complaining and being negative about their husband. I think that all of us can agree that 1 Corinthians 10 says, that these things are in the Bible as an example for us what not to do. And then it goes back and it's talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. How did the children of Israel deal with Moses and Aaron? They kept grumbling and complaining against them. Be careful. You're grumbling and you're complaining and the words you speak um, can try to literally hinder your husband or hinder your wife. If you're doing that to your wife, you're, you're, you're grumbling and complaining and you're speaking negative things over them, you're working against God's destiny for their life. And those words are trying to wrap around them and choke them. And people wonder, why does it seem to be so stubborn or so difficult? Well, maybe because if we'll stop cursing things and we'll deliberately begin to speak blessings instead, it will turn it. Is it, was it 1 Peter 3, 9, I believe, that says, contrawise, speak blessings. You know, it's like the clock goes this way, and God's saying, contrawise, he's saying, stop going with the flow of what the world does and the way that the sinful world does things. You go against the grain, and you speak blessings. And words, people don't mean to, but they, listen to me, about religion. A religious spirit is unrighteously judgmental and critical. And this stuff in the atmosphere around Dallas, there's a very strong religious thing. And that spirit will try to affect the thoughts of others against you, and they'll start speaking negative over you. And it's meant to hinder you. If somebody's always telling you things that are negative about yourself, they're grumbling and complaining against you, how many pastors could really be powerful in God? They really could. They could, they could flow. They could pray for people and be really anointed. But there's so many different people in their congregation. And I'm not saying it's because this is here because I don't think it is actually. But they speak against their pastor all the time. And he's working against all these word curses. And he's just trying to function 
let alone really be used of God? What would happen if people would speak blessings over them? And it would be empowering. But how many times are people speaking words, whether it's like, you know, they, they're negative about maybe the sermons, they, they're negative about the worship team, they, they tell people that they don't like certain things about them or whatever. I mean, words that are just negative and it's hindering what God's wanting to do. All right, so be careful with that in your home that it's not something that words are being spoken that's bringing death, bringing curses, and oppressing the atmosphere. Be careful with the television with that. But you need to also speak blessings. So deliberately go through your home and begin to speak blessings. All right. Also, really apply the blood over the entryways. Uh, twice a year during the spring, spring feast times, the fall feast times, I always have a time where I really pray over our home and just re really apply the blood and really pray earnestly over our home. And, of course, I did that this year as well. And the reason why I do that is because it's something that is very important. We actually have something on our website for those that may be hearing this. My wife and I have had to pray with a lot of people in a lot of situations and a lot of things that have come up in homes. And so we've kind of put together a little thing that people can use as a guide. And if you go to our website, fnirevival.com, and you go to the deliverance page, there are some downloads. And one of them is about cleansing your land or your home. And I really recommend people do that. But you need to really pray over your home and bring things under the blood. And you need to think about entryways, your doorways, your property lines. Your property needs to be marked off and prayed over that this is off limits to the devil. This is hallowed ground. It's blessed of God. It's set apart unto him. It's under the blood of Jesus. Um, also things like the internet and television and other avenues that come in see radio airwaves are outside all the time but you know when they get a receiver they're being played into your home um, same thing with the internet same thing you know however it's coming in it's being brought in through fiber optics or cables or whatever you need to really pray over that that something isn't working its way in that shouldn't be All right, so now let me deal with religious witchcraft. Man, I, I have such a heart for the body of Christ, but especially in the day and age we live, people, people are really on milk and not the meat. Now, sermons like this are never preached. It's really sad because I, being in the ministry, I can tell you for sure that this is an issue and it needs to be preached. A lot of people I've met have dealt with things in their home have dealt with things at night. Um, they've dealt with all kinds of different things. They won't be public about it. They won't talk about it with other church people, but they'll talk to preachers about it in confidence. And they've had some weird stuff, and they want answers. And they need to get answers at church. Amen? So I encourage you, every morning, every evening, I really also pray. Um, we have a prayer time in the morning and the evening. My wife and I pray together in the evening before we go to bed. But I apply the blood of our property, and I, we really pray together, and I pray over my home. And I will not be content without the glory of God there. And the glory will be a defense. It will protect you. All right. The influence of religious witchcraft. So if something is all around the atmosphere around you, 
even though it's there it doesn't need to work its way into our thoughts and it certainly doesn't need to be coming out of our mouths we need to be careful what we're coming into agreement with it may be out there just like you know the radio waves are always going out there but if you get in your car and you start tuning your radio in you're going to connect with something and it's going to start communicating you do you do not want to start connecting with religious witchcraft and start connecting with the thoughts of the enemy in this region and his words so i'm trying to share this to help people have an understanding all right number one which i've already kind of touched on i'm gonna have five different words that start with d the first one is the disorder or things out of order you're dealing with the jezebel spirit you're dealing with rebellion most people are already familiar with the Jezebel spirit, so I don't have to belabor the point. But a Jezebel spirit has to do with idols. Is there anything in your life that's an idol? Any relationship or anything else? Making money, whatever it is, is it an idol? You better be careful with that. Because a lot of people say no, but actually it might be. Ask the Lord. Secondly, is there areas of immorality? Any type of sexual sin at all? Is there things with shedding innocent blood like abortions that's been in your life and your past? You need to pray about it. These things are connected to a Jezebel spirit big time. But also in our culture, rebellion. We're dealing with the, the days of judges. And man, there needs to be a revival in America because now it seems like a lot of people, everybody wants to do what's right in their own eyes. The parents that didn't know God in times past now have had children that don't know God and they're coming up in our culture. And so people just want to do whatever. You'd be surprised at the amount of rebellion that is everywhere. I've had people come to me and I don't even know why some people do this, but they'll come for advice and I don't know why they do it because they're just going to go out and do the opposite anyway. And they know that before they come. I don't know if they're just simply wanting my approval and then I don't give it and they're like, well, you know, they've already pre-made up their mind. I had one guy come to me and say, well, you know, should I go out and get a tattoo? I was like, well, the Bible isn't favorable about that. I wouldn't. And he goes right out and gets a tattoo. And then he feels bad about it and comes back, will you pray for my tattoo? I'm like, come on, man. You know, <laughs> deal with the people are just rebellious. They want to do what they want to do. Regardless of what the Bible says, they're going to do it and they're going to justify it. And they're going to say, if you don't go along with it, that you've got a religious spirit. All right, and so you're dealing with Jezebel, you're dealing with rebellion against God, rebellion against his word, you're dealing with witchcraft control. You cannot be controlled by people. Make sure that you're not letting this control. And I had a friend of mine recently go through this, I'm not going to say who it is, but just recently go through something that really surprised me because I've been through it a number of times in the ministry where people come under the influence of something, but this individual started going through it outside of the ministry just dealing with it in life and it's telling me what's going on and I thought man I have I have empathy because I actually understand what you're dealing with and what it was was somebody being so negative and accusing of this person and they're not really right about everything but if you try to say look this isn't really true and you try to bring out your point they're going to act like they're a little victim and put it back on you you're the bad guy this is a weird mind game that people play in its control people want to bring you under some kind of control they'll accuse they'll sit back and glare at you they're going to fold their arms 
you know, they're going to give you certain looks when you talk about certain things, that, you know, and it's, it's a control. They try to manipulate you. They try to intimidate you. And that is a Jezebel spirit. You've got to break that control and not put up with it at all. So things that are out of order, our homes out of order, our churches out of order. Number two, divided loyalties. Underneath a Jezebel spirit, you're dealing with a spirit called whoredoms in the Bible. Whoredoms has different manifestations. It can be a spirit of adultery. But it's, it's something to do with betrayal. And it's something to do with being unfaithful and disloyal to others. So a spirit of whoredoms, it's the weirdest thing. I've had a hard time understanding it and wrapping my mind around it to really even be able to preach about it because it's so weird to me. When we were growing up, we didn't have more than one church. We had a church. I mean, it's just, we didn't have multiple pastors. You didn't have two or three pastors. You just, you had a pastor. And something really weird has come in, and it's a Jezebel spirit, to where people don't have that accountability. I really believe it's rebellion. They don't want to come under an authority. They want to be able to do whatever they want to do. And it's connected to this religious witchcraft, this Jezebel spirit. They don't want to be accountable, and they don't want to come under a pastor's authority. They want to do whatever they want to do. And so one of the things I've seen, and this is really weird to me, I don't understand it, but I've seen people that, that want to have like multiple pastors. Have you ever seen little kids that... They learn at a young age, you don't have to teach them. They learn how that if they go to dad about some, something or they go to mom about something, they learn how to try to manipulate and play them to get what they want. Well, one of the things I've seen is that if people have multiple authorities, if one pastor says something they don't like, they can just go to another person and present it a certain way. So the other person is going to agree with them. And then you know what they're doing? They're manipulating and controlling. They're not submitting to anybody. They're just doing whatever they want to do at the end of the day. The church hopping that goes on nowadays and the divided loyalties. The divided loyalties were, you know, the tithe that belongs in the storehouse. I never, I mean, we grew up just normal and, and people had a home church. They tithed into the home church. It belongs there. You know, I wouldn't want somebody coming here that's visiting that they have a home church somewhere else. Maybe they live in somewhere, you know, they live in Idaho. They're here and they're just visiting. But they've got a home church in Idaho. I wouldn't want them putting their tithe here. If I found out they were doing it, I would tell them that, well, you know, I mean, if God led you to do give an offering or something, that's between you and God, but that your time belongs in your local church, not somewhere else. And I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. There's divided loyalties, and it's weird. Also, a dishonor and disrespect toward authority, a rebellion toward authority, running down authority. People joke around too much. You know, the interesting thing about Judas was Judas felt comfortable, and I really believe this is something being insinuated here in the Bible. When Judas was exposed, Jesus said that he would dip his hand with me in the cup. I believe that Jesus was saying Judas had, had gotten way too familiar with him 
and was just eating off his plate and it was just too casual. It was just a little bit too casual. You know, there, there can be a dishonor and disrespect toward authority again. The Bible says even for wives to show respect to their husbands. How many sitcoms play the husband of being an idiot? And the wife just totally runs him down all the time. That's this culture. It goes, it, you understand a culture like this is in total rebellion against God and his word. Total rebellion. And I had a pastor I really love and respect tell me, he's been in ministry a long time. He got in the ministry back in the 60s, I believe. But he was telling me that nowadays, he said it's not, this is his words, he said it's not really possible to really truly pastor people anymore in America because of this issue I'm talking about. He said they view church as being some kind of political thing. And um, it's like everybody gets a vote and it, you know you pretty much do what you want to do. And, and, a, and a pastor is just a hireling or something. And he said you can't really pastor like you, used, like you should, like it's biblical. That's scary. Or the next thing is, is deception. So when we're talking about clearing the air, we need to make sure that none of this is in our lives. That we're allowing God to purge this out of our midst. That we're repenting and getting cleansed of all this disorder. The divided loyalties that's there. The dishonor and disrespect toward authority. The deception. All right, deception, the spirit underneath Jezebel that function here is called Python in the Bible. It's in the book of Acts when Paul had to deal with that woman that had a spirit of divination. In the Greek, it's a Python spirit. The Greek word was uh, Python, and it means Python, okay? And so in the Greek culture, there was this whole thing about a Python spirit and about a woman that that could um, get these oracles and speak. It was a divination. People go to them and they would give them some, like a palm reading type of thing. And uh, it was really big in that culture. And so this python operates very powerfully under Jezebel and it has to do with counterfeit revelation. I've, I've had to deal with this with people, man. And I think about one person that their home was out of order, things were not good, there was an issue and they wanted to go through and pray for people took it upon themselves i didn't ask them to and i just simply in a nice way my wife was there in a very nice way said look right now i don't want you praying for people maybe down the road but just not right now and from that moment on that person turned against me and i began to have a lot of problems with them but i did not want a python spirit slithering through this church giving false prophecy to you and releasing something in your life that's not of god and that's exactly what was trying to go on. So you have to be careful with this counterfeit revelation. It's a serious thing. All right. And then also divisive attacks. Some people are very easily offended. They're emotionally needy. And if you, if you start talking. See, here's the thing. It's interesting. This came up recently, too, in conversations I've had. But. A lot of people, especially in America, there's an issue toward authority. And so an authority figure is going to be an authority figure. They're going to, be, they're going to stand up there, and they're going to be bold. They're going to be confident. They're going to speak the word of God. They're going to be firm when they need to be, and they're going to be a leader. 
And I appreciate that when I see it. But there's something in the atmosphere that is crying out for that person to be a little Ahab. To be under, its, to be under control, to be so overly sensitive to everybody's little feelings, not want to offend anybody, to be passive, to allow themselves to be controlled, to be weak leaders that are going to be manipulated. Well, I don't want to preach this. Somebody will get mad. What? I mean, it's like, think about it for a minute. That is an Ahab spirit that's trying to circulate in the atmosphere. But some people, especially in America, cannot handle an authority that's getting up and being bold and strong and preaching it like it is. But yet, God has a remnant. God has a group of people that appreciate true biblical leadership. I believe that. But some people are just too offended. I remember down through the years, I've had to run into several situations where, you know, different leaders, you know, they're in their element, and they're like, we're doing this, not this, quit this. You know, they're being real firm and strong leaders. And I just made up my mind that wasn't going to bother me because they're in charge. But some people think it's rude and they're going to get all bent out of shape. But we've got to be careful that we're not going to get divisive. Amen? Satan wants to divide. And so ultimately, if we're not careful, then what's going to happen, um, you've got to be careful with this because people, the enemy, the Bible says this. Let me say it this way. The Bible says a kingdom divided can't stand. So the enemy is trying to find a way to pit people against each other, to pit parishioners against pastors to pit friends against each other and put thoughts and my wife was just telling me there's just so much wisdom in this she was saying how important it is to not ever allow things like that to go talk to people and make sure the air is cleared about everything that there's nothing there it's really important that we don't allow ourselves to get divided so my point is as I leave this section here make sure that we all pray about this is there any disorder is there any area of divided loyalties or dishonor toward authority is there deception that's crept in is there anything that where this person's ticked at this person we got to be real careful about all that that the enemy doesn't find a way in it's interesting that the apostle paul was was talking about the man that was in an adulterous relationship that they had to kick him out of the church. 1 Corinthians 5. And then he said in 2 Corinthians, the man had obviously really repented. And so he told him to let, let him come back and be restored. And he said that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And he was talking about unforgiveness. It's really important to take that scripture in context. It was talking about unforgiveness. We need to make sure that we don't have unforgiveness in our lives or anything that would divide relationships. Here's the last couple things I want to share. Number, number one on this as I close out is that we've got to be on the offensive. You know, if you watch two people boxing, the one that's doing all of the swinging is on the offense. And what's the other person doing? He's got his gloves up. When we're on the offensive, we're pushing things back of the enemy. 
You see, what happens is, is people quit doing that. They get out of prayer. They, they quit being persistent. And they begin to take more of a passive role. And then now it's the enemy doing all the swinging. And that person now is just having their gloves up, trying to block it. God has called us to be, you know, on the offensive, not the defensive. Now, I think about that scripture about, you know, John the Baptist. It was saying that the, the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But it's talking about being aggressive and moving forward, taking ground. Think about Joshua. They were not on the defensive. Joshua and them in their conquest of Canaan, they were on the offensive. They were taking ground. So what I'm getting at is we need to make sure that we're on the offensive. And you also need to really pray about this, about word curses and soulish prayers that have maybe been released against you. Are there people that maybe have been, even Christians that have prayed their will over you instead of God's will? The book of James talks about these type of things the words and things he was saying that it can become carnal and it can even become demonic those are the words in the book of James but you need to be careful that that people are not meaning to they're not meaning to but they are in fact praying their will over you and it's a form of witchcraft and it's a control and that words have not been spoken over you you know I was just not that long ago somebody gave me a testimony that they had been really dealing with something and it was just one of those nights in prayer that it just kind of came up but I said you know I really feel like something about words over such and such and it was a specific person and or two people and I took authority about words and broke it and that person told me they felt something break open off them and it became easy to pray again you got to be really careful about the words that other people are speaking over you. Think about it for a minute. Do you have a parent? Do you have relatives? Do you have others you work with or whatever that they're the type that are always speaking stuff? You need to be on the offensive and breaking all those words and really being deliberate about it. Not haphazardly. Oh, yeah, I just break any words. That, that's not what I'm talking about because that's not going to get the job done. I'm talking about you stop and you really pray about it. Lord, I speak these words in the name of Jesus. I do not receive them. I break them. You've got to understand, you've got to be very careful what you come into agreement with. There's people that will speak things over you, and whether it's a prophecy or even if they're just being critical. Hear what I'm trying to say right here. A religious spirit in this region, religious spirit has to, be, uh, has to do with being unrighteously judgmental and critical. So don't be surprised if other people are being judgmental and critical of you and it's really not the way God sees you. And deep down you know that it's really not even true. I've had people say stuff to me and my wife will back me up on this that it didn't even make any sense. They went back in time in their mind. They went back in time and think they're telling me stuff and I'm going, no, that's really truly not the way it happened. Am I not telling the truth? I'm going, no. That was, and then they're getting increasingly mad at me because I'm not coming to agreement with this garbage. But I'm not doing that. I'm not being controlled like that. And, it, and it's weird. And so when you, when you start breaking the control, 
also don't be surprised when you when you come up against that control and you break the control they've had over you and you're not going to come into agreement with it they're trying to speak things over you you're this way you're that way and you're saying well i'm i don't really feel like that what you're saying is true don't be surprised when you break that control that they don't get really ticked off and then they want to act like you're the bad guy and they're a little victim that's a Jezebel spirit it's trying to turn everything around and bring confusion see Jezebel worships Baal and Baal goes back to Babylon and Babylon means confusion so all of this is a confusion in the spirit realm how is it let me give you some examples to show what I'm talking about how is it that Israel can be sitting there minding their own business and Hamas in Gaza launches rocket after rocket after rocket people are on their cell phones moms that just dropped their kid off from at school just minding their own business they ain't never done anything they're they're having to jump out of the car they're crying they're hiding in a, in a, a culvert somewhere and and they just keep launching these terrorist attacks keep over and over and over again and finally Israel says I've had enough and they go in there and they take care of business and then the news media spins it man Israel is this occupying aggressor they're going in there and just slaughtering innocent little people they're killing moms and children they're doing this that and the other that's witchcraft it's 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 manipulating the minds of people it's playing games and that's not true that's not how it is but goofy people believe stuff like that you see it in every realm of society you even see it right now with this current president you see something that's trying to manipulate and spin things it's a Jezebel spirit all right I could go on and on but I think you get the idea and it's frustrating because you don't understand why the other person doesn't understand that they're flipping it around they're they're confusing things all right and we've got to be persistent and have perseverance and this is what I want to close out with right here people have what they really want do you really want more of God that was the prophetic song that was being sung are you really hungry for more of God are you willing to to be a fool in the eyes of men are you willing to be different to go after God because God has something for River of Life it's going to happen you know regardless of whatever but God is looking for places to pour out his spirit are people really hungry and people deserve what they tolerate if they're not going to really deal with stuff they're going to let stuff maybe in their home that deep down they know isn't good they know it's not right but they're going to justify it anyway and they're just going to have it because that's what they want that's fine but you deserve what you tolerate you got a home void of the glory you got a home that's not a place where God really moves it's because sometimes people have tolerated things that they know is not right you have to be willing to deal with it I think about the parent that wants to be a friend to their child instead of a parent they deserve what they're tolerating whenever their kid is going to sass them and do other things you have to go in there and take care of business all right and I wanted to share just something at the end here about Steve Hill many things about brother Steve was an inspiration to me and many others but I remember the persistence that Steve had 
where Steve was a warrior. And he's gone home to be with the Lord, you know. And But I remember him sharing with me how there were times. Enter Center Brownsville. I mean, I believe people say, why did God entrust Steve with Brownsville? First off, I do believe Steve was a man of prayer. But he was that was not really some huge, massive you know, thing. I mean, there was Brownsville was the ones praying. Why did God entrust Steve? What what was well, I think there's more than one reason. But here's one reason, I believe. Because God knew that he was going to be a strong man that was going to really go after God. And let me tell you, night after night at Brownsville, he would be praying for people for hours. Two, three, four in the morning. And then he'd go home, just get a little bit of sleep, have to come back and go through a whole entire service again. And they did this night after night after night after night. That he was having to minister even though he didn't feel good. Even though he had had worked so hard and was tired, they teased him and said that his eyes looked like two burnt holes in a blanket because how tired he was. But he was somebody that really was persistent. He said that, there were times that he was sick and he'd have to go into the bathroom and throw up or whatever and just you know rinse out his mouth and wash his face and get up and he'd still have to preach a service pray for everybody and go forward I remember seeing him at the Brownsville reunion in 2014 my wife and I went there and um, he was in the the last bit of a, a fight with cancer and he was literally dying and um, he got up there we were there and um, he preached his heart out and I know he was in pain and here's what here's what at the end he preached and then he went through and prayed for everybody that wanted prayer there were people crowded all around him that were pressing in on him there was people behind him had to kind of kind of help carry him but he prayed for everybody in there and that was just the type of person he was. People say, well, why did God trust Steve with Brownsville? Well, because Brother Steve was that type of person. He was tough. And he was a man that would get the job done. I believe God knew he could trust him. Now, I'm not saying this to, you know, but I'm just trying to make a point. You have people that can't even get to church. They're too lazy. They'd rather sit at home, watch TV or whatever. They're so indifferent that they're not any longer really concerned about soul winning. They don't really have a prayer life. They, they backslid from God. And, you know, I look at Brother Steve and I think, man, what an inspiration as somebody that's really going to go after God. Amen? And so I believe God's looking right now and he's testing people's metal. When you go through a testing from the Lord, a lot of times you don't even know that you're being tested. But God's watching how you're going to handle things. And if he, if he can trust us. And so I believe that God is looking for a place he can pour out his spirit. I believe there's some very credible prophecies over us. I believe that there's a calling here. But God is going to find, y'all hear me, God's going to find a remnant that will not come into agreement with what's in their region. They're not going to come into agreement with what's in the nation. They're really, truly going to go after God with all their heart and press into him. And I feel even as I'm talking tonight, something is trying to resist this. 
Yeah, seriously, even as I'm talking, like something just trying to cause a stupor that people still don't get, you know, not anything against anybody. I'm just saying that's what I feel. Even as I'm preaching, I feel that. It takes persistent prayer and fasting to be able to even things to penetrate through the cloud of the resistance of this region. That's how inundated it is. But God's going to do it. I believe that. All right, I'm going to pray and we shut down recordings. Lord, I pray that this will get where it needs to go and hit the mark and become what it needs to become. Lord, I pray that you would penetrate through the religious deception. Penetrate through, Lord, and help bring about the fruitfulness. And Lord, we just pray, forgive us. Lord, where there's been just religion going through the motions, forgive us, Lord, where there's been complacency, there's been apathy, Lord, where there's been a lack of a burden for souls, there's been a lack of a hunger for God. Lord, we ask your forgiveness. We don't want to be a people that has grown cold. We want to be a people that clears the air, clear, repents, gets all this stuff cleared away like we preach tonight. Lord, we want to be a people that deals with it, gets it purged out of our lives so that the heavens can open and God can move and can pour out his spirit in an awesome way. And Lord, I pray that you'll move in such a way to really cleanse and purify in Jesus' name.